advice or information in, in today's presentation is general in nature and does not consider your personal circumstances. You need to consider for yourself whether it is appropriate for you. Uh, next up, we have uh, Michael Onlo from Imraya, I beg your pardon, Limited, uh, a medical technology company that is pursuing drug development in targets with large unmet needs. Uh, the company was listed early last year and uh, had a busy 2020 and uh, certainly a good start to 2021. Uh, Michael, I think I uh, saw one of the Emerald uh, Clinics open yesterday in Melbourne, was it? So it must be a unique experience to be opening something um, in uh, in lockdown in Melbourne. Hopefully we come out today, but congratulations on that. Uh, you should have the controls to the presentation now and uh, look forward Lovely. to hearing more about the company. Thank you very much, Warwick, and really appreciate uh, the invitation here. So I guess just to kick off, uh, we're, in a, we're called Myria. Uh, so think of Myriad. Uh, it's a reference to Myriad data, which is a really key part of our business and, and personalized care. Uh, and uh, with really pl a great pleasure to tell you about our company and, uh, and what we've got in store. So as, uh, as Warwick mentioned, I uh, beg your pardon, let me uh, gain control here. So Myriad creates drug development programs. Uh, these are backed by unique proprietary clinical evidence that we gather on bespoke platforms that we've developed uh, while we're caring for patients with unmet needs. And then we use that data to inform uh, the drug development programs uh, that we lead. And to accomplish that, we've pulled together some really unique resources here. We have Myria Care, which is a, a network of medical clinics. Uh, you heard Warwick reference the second Melbourne clinic opening. Uh, that was actually opening on Monday. Uh, in East Melbourne, uh, we have six locations around Australia now uh, evaluating patients with unmet needs and providing access to new unregistered treatments. We invest heavily in the data platforms in, within those clinics. We've brought across uh, clinical trial grade systems. Uh, the founding team, including myself, has spent many years in clinical trials and in drug development. And so we saw an opportunity to do a better job of studying these patients, uh, particularly while they're under uh, novel treatments to try and find out which treatments are working best and for whom. And so that data effectively informs smart and very strategic drug development programs, which we lead independently uh, or at times with partners. And then, of course, we are always paying attention to what uh, is happening with those patients, and that data further feeds back into our care models and allows us to provide a highly personalized and very unique care experience uh, for our patients as well. And, and, and these, this is a really unique combination of resources uh, that positions us very strongly uh, to do drug development in a really rapid, novel, and accelerated way. And to give you a sense, we are a real, real center here. We have, uh, beg your pardon, uh, controls here a bit. Great, we have uh, multiple locations around Australia. We have, uh, in, in that pre previous image, well-appointed rooms. We run like a specialist clinic. Uh, we insist on referrals, and we've been going for a year. We have tremendous interest and high demand, hence the expansion, the, the fact we're growing clinics, uh, we're considering and scoping out how we might grow in Perth as well. And so our locations now are in West Leadville in Western Australia, Woolloomooloo in New South Wales, the Northern Rivers, uh, and two locations in Melbourne. And about each week we're seeing 40 to 60 new patients uh, with complex conditions uh, being referred to our clinics, usually by their specialist uh, and often by their uh, treating GP as well. And what that allows us to do over time, by the fact that we spend a lot of time with each of these patients, is we've built this really unique and highly differentiated clinical data asset. It's now well over 2.6 million data points, uh, covering a wide range of patients from ages 2 to 96, 
uh, with across 44 different clinical indications. So our patients come in with chronic pain complications, with Parkinson's disease, inflammatory bowel disease, with autism, uh, a very, very diverse group of patients. And we allow them to have access to unregistered treatments. The primary treatment that we have been focused on and specialized on for the last year has been medicinal cannabis. We are an independent prescriber of uh, high-quality pharmaceutical-grade cannabinoid products and we've developed a broad uh, breadth of, a wide breadth of experience in how to use these treatments most effectively for the patient in front of us, which gives us really unique insights for what these doses are doing uh, and for which patients. And then we can take those insights and launch our own drug development programs and also improve our care for the patients. So our data is essentially the brains behind our operation. It allows us to do intelligent uh, care delivery and also very intelligent and highly strategic uh, drug design. We have uh, a really uh, very skilled uh, clinical team here, uh, forgive the formatting uh, here, but also a very highly competent and co uh, commercial team. Dr. Stuart Washer, our chairman, has led companies in regenerative medicine, orthocell, in stem cells with Sonata, uh, most recently with synthetic cannabinoid company Botanics. Myself, I was the CEO of a clinical trial unit for four years. I have a medical degree and practice for many years, uh, but I also spent significant time in Silicon Valley at a company called Palantir. It's a big data company. It's currently trading on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, and I have uh, helped grow the healthcare team there, working on complex data analysis challenges. And so I have a real, uh, I guess, appreciation for the potential of clinical data when captured well at a high quality and how that can support clinical drug development. Dr. Alastair Vickery is our medical director, highly experienced general practitioner. Uh, Matt Callahan has also taken multiple drugs through the FDA, uh, also one of the key founders at Botanics. And Professor Sir John Took, a real treasure for our board. He was knighted for services to medicine. Uh, he was the previous dean and head of medical sciences at the University of College London. Uh, he is, um, was also a, an advisor uh, for the Google DeepMind project at the NHS, a very, very well credentialed uh, clin clinician scientist uh, with deep connections to the highest levels of government uh, in the UK. Uh, as Warwick mentioned, we've been trading for a year uh, and recently, over the last couple of months, enjoyed really strong support for our share price. I think on the back of key news around our own drug development programs, uh, now that we've really hit critical mass with our clinical data, uh, and uh, now I think our market cap is sitting around 50 million uh, with plenty of room to grow from here on out. So what does our research and development pipeline look like? We've already announced plans for EMD003. This will be a low-dose cannabinoid treatment built to our bespoke specifications based on insights that we've gathered from our real-world clinical evidence. It will focus on symptoms of psychological distress. Mental health is a major unmet need. Uh, there is an opportunity to deliver safe and effective uh, drug treatments for uh, symptoms of anxiety, depression, and stress. Uh, that's our target indication. We have already uh, captured unique intellectual property uh, covering the methods of use for our particular dose form, and we now deepen the planning of pivotal clinical registration trials, which we expect to launch uh, within a few months, uh, that will support uh, registration with the TJ. We feel that our data and also our clinical trial expertise gives us a hugely head start uh, really on this program. But then we're also taking a deep interest in other major mental health concerns and neuroscience complaints, including post-traumatic stress disorder and major depression. Uh, and we are planning out a clinical care delivery model for some of the newer uh, 
possibilities in the psychedelic medicines. One of our key partners is Mind Medicine Australia, uh, who have been advocating for some uh, legislation changes which might, may allow these treatments to be more easily studied. Uh, we are not deterred by the complications around these treatments. They're, they're very promising and are preparing to do rigorous uh, ethics-approved clinical trials to demonstrate uh, the potential value of those treatments, uh, which require important care models uh, like what we've designed. We also see a lot of patients with chronic pain. Uh, that's also a target for us, uh, particularly around opioid uh, reduction. And then we also have a second program which we're developing and is quite advanced in irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, we are currently in the process of uh, running a large observational study to inform intellectual property positions on that and, and product formulation uh, decisions as well. But the amazing thing about this model is because we see such a wide diversity of patients, we have more than 40 other clinical indications that we can uh, repeat and find treatment options for. And we can also expand the therapies that we uh, make available through our clinics beyond the cannabinoid treatments into new unregistered medications or even repurposed treatments uh, and rinse and repeat the model for to create multiple drug development programs, uh, each with addressing high unmet needs and large unaddressed markets. So how does this framework work? So I'll take you through kind of the experience of what it's like uh, you know, as a patient. So we key, the key thing is we offer personalized care. We're really focused on giving the best outcome for the patient. We're agnostic to the treatment options we use to achieve the best outcome for the person in front of us. That gives us the most meaningful and profound clinical data in aggregate that we can then apply to uh, drug development programs. We've had to invest a lot in the clinical data and infrastructure. As I mentioned, we've brought a lot of the disciplines and learnings from the clinical trial world into frontline medicine to drive and collect and curate uh, Emiria data. Uh, and where we do everything with a view of what would a global regulator require, what standard would they expect this evidence to hit, and that drives our thinking and investment. And we know that this means that we can create a very safe uh, clinical experience for our patients, but we also get really meaningful high clinical utility data and clinical data of very high commercial value also. Now, typical EMD patient, what do these people look like who come to us? As I mentioned, 60% of the time they're referred by their specialist and usually they are, they are people for whom no other treatments are working. They typically have a complex chronic disease. They've been told nothing else works. Uh, they also are very reticent to uh, you know, try, you know, particularly cannabinoid medicines. There's certainly some stigma around that that still persists. And these patients, they want to get better. They don't just want access to a drug treatment. Uh, they want to actually improve their health uh, of, and, and the condition that they're in. Uh, and that really sets them apart and sets us apart, I think, from a number of alternative clinical models out there, maybe more interested in uh, trying to generate revenues from the patients. We're really interested in getting them the best outcome because that's what actually gives us the best clinical data and the best chances of succeeding in our future drug development programs as well. In fact, in order to uh, kind of insist on this, all of our patients have a clean drug screen before they're able to start treatment with us. That allows us to get really meaningful baseline data from those patients before they go on treatment as well. Uh, but, but our patients, uh, you know, typically ha have, have been, to you know, told there's nothing else working. Here's another case study with, uh, with Bob uh, here as well. This is a real patient, although this is not his photo and not his real name. Uh, and Bob was a Vietnam veteran. He had a back injury, uh, was exposed to Agent Orange uh, while on duty. 
he came in with many years of grinding chronic back pain, uh, which was heavily medicated on a whole range of hard-hitting pain medications, including opioids like OxyContin, uh, but he was also on some of the novel pain medications, pregabalin and gabapentin as well. He really wasn't getting any better. So over time, we started to commence him on cannabinoid treatment. We titrated. We paid very careful attention to his quality of life, uh, also to his pain scores around severity and interference measures. Uh, and we were able to titrate carefully and give him a really good outcome. And you can see at visit five, uh, those scores have come down. That represents you know, dramatic improvement for Bob. Perhaps the most telling uh, sign here, though, was that he was able to cease all of his opioids and including some of his other pain medications as well. And so we gave uh, Bob a really great outcome. And so the question for us is, well, how can we identify more patients like Bob? How can we start them on a better treatment sooner? And is there an opportunity to, to reach a much larger market of all the other Bobs that are out there uh, who might be uh, poorly managed uh, or, or who, for whom their treatments are not working and deliver them a registered product so that their usual GP can prescribe these uh, treatments and they don't have to come to specialist clinics like ours uh, for access to these novel and promising treatments. And so we can think of Bob as being the patient way on the left. Uh, one of our EMD patients is just us, but for every Bob in the world, there is many, many thousands of other Bobs out there uh, who could be treated uh, with these drugs uh, from their regular medical practitioner. And this is where we're focusing our drug development efforts. We want to bring registered treatments to those patient groups based on the insights that we have from real-world patients. And so we are targeting mental health, as I mentioned, EMD003. This is a condition that affects 20% of all Australians, massive growing global concern and really a great need for safe, high-quality medicines. Irritable bowel syndrome is another one of those conditions where there is no current targeted drug treatment and 40% of gastroenterology visits, specialist visits, uh, are often for irritable bowel syndrome when typically there is no functional finding uh, that can be addressed uh, by those specialists. So this is a, a condition that really needs uh, better treatment options. And then of course we've, we see patients with those 40 other indications, we have a wide variety of opportunity to develop treatments uh, and, and uh, medicines for uh, large underserved markets. Great. So um, moving along, uh, you know, what is the value of registered treatments? So we pay a, a particular emphasis on uh, registering a medicine. That means take it through a rigorous sequence of clinical trials and studies to build evidence that this drug is very effective for a particular dose and a particular patient. Of all the medicinal products available in Australia currently, only one has been registered, and that's uh, by GW Pharma for a rare form of epilepsy. Now, GW Pharma is notable in the media for having recently been acquired by Jazz Pharmaceuticals for over $7 billion. And this is one of the, this is the biggest biotech takeover in UK history uh, and sent a very strong signal to the market that if you do the hard work, if you invest in hard uh, quality, high quality clinical research, uh, then those values can be can be captured. Uh, and uh, these uh, the formatting here unfortunately has been um, uh, messed up. But uh, what these numbers are trying to demonstrate is, in the last 12 months, there has been about 50,000 prescriptions written under special access scheme for medicinal cannabis, which absolutely pales in in comparison to the number of legitimate prescriptions written for registered medicines for something like antidepressants, 29 million prescriptions, or pain relievers, 22 million. And so what our goal is, is to try and move 
the best products from the medicinal cannabis uh, side into mainstream medicines, registered products that then can be available via routine prescription to a much larger patient base. And that requires the clinical research. The other benefit here and the other upside for doing that properly is that you can also uh, start to attract government reimbursement. And so for a single pain medication like pregabalin, which is one of the drugs that Bob was on, the government is paying $138 million a year uh, to subsidize access to that treatment, that single treatment, uh, whereas medicinal cannabis, uh, almost nothing uh, is being covered by government. And therefore, all the products are out-of-pocket expenses right now. So just the last couple of slides for me. In the last 12 months, you know, what have we built to really succeed uh, in the next 12 months? More than 3,500 patients. We have a team of highly skilled uh, clinicians working for us, an excellent team of specialist advisors, uh, and a huge peer network of more than 400 referring clinicians. We've really invested heavily in our data capture. We've got validated, licensed assessments. They've given us well over 2.5 million data points. And we're also able to demonstrate the commercial value of, of that data uh, in the last 12 months, having closed over a million dollars of, of data deals with some of the largest cannabinoid medicine companies in the world, including Canopy Growth. We've hired an in-house data and analytics team. We're starting to file multiple patents. Our electronic and remote monitoring uh, capture system has also been recognized and registered with the TGA. Uh, we also have recently been awarded with an $880,000 grant from WA Health to help build remote monitoring technology for vulnerable patients to monitor both their vital signs and mental health. Uh, we also have a number of global partners, including Sapphire Medical in the UK and a key strategic partner at Mount Sinai and the Precision Recovery Team who's also helping us think through smart ways of using our remote monitoring uh, technology. And so what the next uh, future is look like and what to look out for is we will be growing our patient base, growing our treatment options. That further enriches our data platform, which allows us to create more IP and launch new drug development programs. And then, of course, you'll see us making uh, great strides on our currently launched programs, EMD003, and our future ones for and beyond. And we'll start pivotal registration trials in those programs and to pursue Australia and then global re uh, registration. And in our digital health platform, there are further validations that we're taking through the TGA right now. Uh, we want to demonstrate that we have some of the best-in-class uh, contactless clinical monitoring systems uh, and deeper our partnerships with groups like Mount Sinai and others. Uh, so with that, I'd love to take your questions and uh, take your interest. Thanks. Thank you very much, uh, Michael. That was uh, excellent. Apologies about the uh, the formatting. I'm not uh, entirely sure what happened there. Question in from uh, Philip, just uh, wanting you to unpack I guess why, uh, you know, registering these novel treatments, getting to, you know, getting the novel treatment and registering it uh, is uh, is a value add and uh, how that sort of acts as a, as a catalyst for um, unlocking, uh, unlocking shareholder value. Yeah, absolutely. So, so right now, you know, the, the, the medicinal cannabis industry has done well. But when you look at the volume of prescriptions, you know, the number of patients effectively receiving these treatments, it's very, very low compared to who could potentially benefit. And the reason for that um, consternation is all of the additional encumbrances and uh, challenges in getting patients access to these, these drugs. And that's because none of them are registered. None of these drugs have actually gone through the gauntlet of fire and done clinical research and proven uh, you know, beyond doubt that this particular product at this dose will work for X condition in, in, these, in a particular group of patients. So that's the work that we can accelerate by our data, by our clinical infrastructure, and then once you can get a drug registered, 
any GP can register it, uh, uh, prescribe it. And so you can suddenly open yourself up to many millions of more patients. So we're talking tens of thousands of prescriptions today. Uh, registration opens up a global opportunity of many millions of patients who are, who are not being currently served by their current drug treatments. Uh, and so we, we're talking about massive watershed moment to open up large markets uh, and demonstrate the, the value. The GW acquisition is a key one. That's a single drug they have for a very rare condition, uh, but somebody placed a value of $7 billion on that enterprise uh, because they're the only one with the registered medicine in this space. Right. Gotcha. When you, um, I guess when you look at the uh, medical cannabis industry, uh, where are we at the moment? You, you mentioned uh, sort of government's role in, um, in, in making that mainstream. Uh, Chris had a question regarding sort of private patients and 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 public patients. Is that uh, is that part of the mix? What you what you're looking at moving it moving it into a more mainstream area? Well, yes, I think uh, the the right now we're really restricted to, to private patients because there is no registered treatment. Patients have to pay out of pocket, uh, with the exception of some insurers offering modest uh, subsidies. Uh, most patients are bearing the brunt of the costs uh, independently. These can be many hundreds of dollars for, per month, uh, depending on the prescription. Uh, the government is not systematically subsidizing these costs. Uh, it's very difficult to... Um, uh, none, no treatments on the PBS uh, is another way to think about it. So again, one really needs to do the hard work, get these treatments registered. Uh, then you can open up that conversation about government subsidy and support. Uh, we see private patients. We also see public patients. Uh, so we have a very diverse patient mix there, certainly from the clinical service. Uh, but for almost all our patients, they're still stuck with having to pay for the drug treatment themselves, uh, which really won't change until we can get some of these drug treatments registered. Right. So just looking forward, what's the uh, what's that? Uh, we're on the slide now, I guess. What's that? What's that process, and what's the timeline like uh, towards uh, a registration of a novel treatment? Yeah, so uh, absolutely look out for that. There'll be key news about EMD003. We'll be releasing information about the particular dose form that we are pursuing. Uh, we have also uh, made tremendous progress already uh, in terms of commencing those pivotal clinical studies. So they will commence. Uh, that'll generate news. And then once those conclude, then we take them through the TGA uh, and uh, and then they take their time and hopefully we'll be one of the first registered treatments uh, out uh, with many more following in parallel, just closely behind. Very, very good. Thanks, uh, thanks very much, Michael. Very interesting, and uh, thanks for your uh, for your time today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, and love your questions uh, uh, from others as well. So appreciate the time. Talk to you soon.